You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and today we're buzzing into episode 79, and uh, this is going to be another great podcast uh, full of news articles about native plants, uh, our highlights of the of the week. Um, oh, we got the salt contest? We do oh, have the salt yeah. contest. I have, you know what, I have another surprise phone call. Just for oh, you. Gosh. No one's yeah. calling for me. There are all all these phone calls are for you. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of great things lined up, and that is if I can keep it together because I got my booster shot yesterday. I'm feeling out of it. But. Are you Are you feeling out of it? Oh yeah, but uh, no, I'm keeping it together. I don't feel as bad as I did last time, which is is good. so that's, far. That's good. But who knows? It, it might it, go it down. Fast. It might go downhill. <laughs> you know, I uh, I know we taught you knew this, but I had a uh, uh, sinus infection mm-hmm. last week yep. and. I didn't realize how out of it I felt until I went back and listened to the podcast afterwards. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, I, I was hazy, but I was like, I'm going to be a trooper. I can pull through this. I'm not that mm-hmm. bad. And then <laughs> after I, I started taking, like, went to the doctor and started ta- taking medica- medication, I was like, oh, yeah, I was much worse than I thought. <laughs> but yeah, but no, I figured it's, it's two weeks before Thanksgiving. It takes like two weeks to kick in to full strength. So, uh, <clears throat> Like there's You'll a be all there's people at risk. My I have a grandmother who's ninety two. I like yeah. my parents are still over sixty five. So I think my mom's not well, over sixty five. She's 65. not. She's not there yet. She's well, not over sixty. My not, dad is over actually. 65. She she's a few years away. Actually, <laughs> that's, that's pretty close. <laughs> but uh, but then like aunts and uncles, they're all no, gotcha at that age where they say it's a little bit higher risk. So. Uh, just want to make sure we're protecting everybody on my end. Yes, I, I completely. And agree. then, yeah, and then my son is the, the other uh, reason. That's yeah, the other that's end, he can't get any any vaccines. So that's huge. But we actually did look at his uh, with with kids nowadays. Um, my wife and I were talking about, and he's already he's not even a year and a half yet. He's already got eighteen different vaccinations. You know, I just heard a news report coming into work the other day where they were saying that vaccination rates on children were way down, like down 18 percent mm-hmm. uh just overall vaccinations that people were since covid mm-hmm. doing less and less vaccinations yeah. which really shocked me actually. i think a lot of it is uh is people didn't want to go to doctors or hospitals for a year and there's yeah. there's another report that came out saying that a lot of these hospitals are overwhelmed not just because of of, of covid patients but people who didn't go to the doctor for a year and they had minor issues that now all of a sudden are really big issues yeah. and they have heart problems or lung problems or, or cancer problems that they didn't get checked out because they're too scared to go to an emergency room or a doctor for all of 2020 and into 2021. And wow. now they're showing up and it's too far gone and there's not much left that some of these hospitals can do. Well, I know during COVID, I I think we go to the same doctor. I'm not sure if you go to the same doctor. No, or COVID. no I go okay. to different one. All right. So, but they were doing Zoom, mm-hmm. Zoom appointments unless – it was something you had to be seen yeah. for. Like they didn't want you to come in. So, um, but don't you need? I, I I could be wrong. I don't want to get too sidetracked with that. <laughs> this isn't the vaccination episode. But like, if you have a a, a child that's going to be school age, there's certain vaccinations mm-hmm. you have to have before for enrollment. I think 
Yeah, I believe so. There's ways to, I don't know to if, work around it. Yeah. I've, at least that's what I learned on Law & Order SVU. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you remember that episode, that was a crazy one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, awesome. But we do, like I said, we have a great show lined up. Um, I, th- I think we should err on the side of making it a little quicker. I know we say that every time. But, uh, yeah, I feel good now. So <laughs> I all right, want so, that all right. let's made. Let's kick into it then. Um, so we'll, we always start off. I'm, I'm glad I know we experimented with shuffling things around, but I'm glad we're back to our comfortable format. Yeah. So we're, we're going to start off with the plants that we're vibing with every week with that's hot. That's hot. Would you like to go first? Or would you uh, want yeah. me to go first? All right. Yeah. Go for it. So mine is uh ham malice virginiana, Ooh, great which choice. is uh, American witch hazel. Yeah. And, um, this is one that gets confused a lot. It does. Because there's not. There's non-native witch hazels, yes, and they tend to bloom in the early. Well, I guess it's still kind of winter, but early spring. So if yeah. January, February, March. I, I think it's kind of there. I think the most common it's uh, Hamamelis ex intermedia Arnold's Promise, which mm-hmm. is that bright yellow, and there's a red one too. I can't remember what it's called, ruby something, but uh, which are spring, you know, early spring bloomers. And I I remember just from last February. And, and March, seeing a lot of people saying, "Oh, my witch hazel's blooming. My native witch hazel's blooming." And then people would have to type in, "Oh, it's not, probably not a native one if it's blooming now, yeah. because the native ones, uh, at least what I've seen in our our crop block here, are blooming now. Yes. At least very just starting to. Yeah. And uh, and ours are pretty small, so it's you only get a handful on each. They're, they're what they're a foot and a half tall. Yeah. So you only get a handful of blooms on each each plant, but it's starting to bloom now. So if you have a native witch hazel, well, you probably know that. It's blooming now, or it's going to start blooming now. But it's a really, really interesting tree because there's not a lot of things that bloom this time yeah. of year. It's a really unique flower. Uh, it's kind of like spindly looking and, and very um, wiry, uh, thread-like, I guess is a good way to put it. And uh, But it's a, a large shrub, small tree, gets, what, 20 to 30 feet tall yeah. if, if you keep, let it grow in a tree form. Um, has really nice fall foliage with that yellow color. And uh, and what else do I have here? Oh, it's a facultative plant. Yeah, awesome. Which is, which is so it's half wet, half dry, or is where you're going to find it. It's not always going to be in in deep, deep wetland. You know, now that you mention it, I'm going to get one for my property. Yeah. Like I was just thinking about, it, I'm like, oh, do we have any of those available? I think I want one. And for it's my an house. understory plant, so if you yeah. need something for a, a shadier spot in your yard, this is, yeah. and you want something shrubby, this is a good, yeah. good fit for. And there. it takes a while. Like it, it can get taller, but it. It it for it to hit twenty to thirty yeah. foot, like you're probably not going to see it that height. Mm-hmm. You know, your your son will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for my excuse me for my that's hot this week. I went a little bit different, and I know a lot of times we're going. Oh, right now the fall color is really good, mm-hmm. or right now <clears throat> it's in bloom and it looks great. Um, I went a little bit different. So my pick this week is uh, Eupatorium maculatum, which is spotted Joe pie. And I went – what made me think of it was um, uh, your family was kind enough. Uh, you have a house up in the Adirondacks mm-hmm. and and uh, lent it to my family this past week. And we spent four days up in the Adirondacks, and they were hitting in the mid-20s. At yeah. night. So when you woke up in the morning, everything was frosted over. And there's a lake on the property, and there would be like a nice uh, like fog mist on the lake, and everything mm-hmm. was just covered. And I'm looking at these Eupatorium, Purpurium, Immaculatum, uh, completely – You know, the seed heads covered in frost, 
and and there's not a lot of birds there, but the birds that were there were were really taking use. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, this is really serving a great purpose right now. Yes, it it looks great when it blooms, and yes, um, it looks good at, at other parts of the season, but um, it was really it was really serving a great purpose. So. And and most people are like, well, it's already died back for the winter. Yes, but uh, the large and abundant flat top, uh, flat top uh, flower heads. They even though they're spent, they're they're feeding birds like American mm-hmm. goldfinch, things like that. And the four to six foot uh, tall stems, they're going to serve as overwintering for for beneficial insects. So I I just think right now beauty, you, you kind of have to to rethink beauty at this time of the year and and functionality, um, not just looks you know yeah when it's blooming those those pink flowers are mm-hmm. tremendous and that's yeah. another great attribute because it it attracts so many pollinators at that time of the year but right now for the food web it's serving a great purpose um and it was nice just seeing them still up not cut back yeah, oh, yeah. doing doing a lot of good right now Those, and that's it, a cool garden too but, it uh, really is just because it's all it's all native plants to that region and yeah. It's because there's not someone there who's maintaining it. It gets a little wild, it, but it, yeah. but it's because there's a border. There's a, a, a river rock border on it. Yeah. It keeps it contained. It's not like spilling over the the border. It looks. I don't want to say formal, but it doesn't. It doesn't look. Uh, what's I, I can't think of a my like I said. Yeah, my mind is fuzzy. The words aren't coming. Yeah, out of no, right now. you know but it, it has. A maintained look, but it's also still wild. Looks wild. Yeah, it looks wild at the same wild time. Wild at heart. That's a, yeah. probably the phrase. And there were a lot of golden rods and a lot of other things that mm-hmm. were serving great purpose. But it was just those eupatorium stems so tall. And when you're on the deck, mm-hmm. uh, they surround a deck that goes around the house. So the blooms were like at eye height, like eye level almost. Yeah. Like when you were, it, it was just kind of really. Like they were just above the rails. Now, so when that's I was there a, a month earlier, uh, there was two really cool things that that I saw that I meant to post pictures of and I forgot. Um, so I guess I can still do that now. But so the Eupatoriums, you had a lot of bumblebees. I don't know what kind of bumblebee it was bumblebee that were sleeping underneath the flower heads. It was really cool, and that got posted on our TikTok. Yeah. Um, but I didn't post it anywhere because, I, like I said, I forgot. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> On the goldenrods, I took a really uh, unique picture to me. It's not like it's anything special, but it's the goldenrods were really covered in these bald faced hornets. Oh, and they were all f- like foraging on the nectar, and like I, and when I say covered, it was like there was hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of these hornets on. And uh, you could walk right up to them; they didn't care because they were they're foraging. You're not mm. attacking their nest; they're they're not a threat yeah. unless you're really you're in their space. Yeah. And and not when like you're in their home. If someone was going into your home, you'd probably be upset too. But yeah. when they're eating, they're like they're out at a restaurant, and you're just kind of walking by. They don't really care that much. And we yeah. found it with a lot of bees. But what was unique about this picture is I got a picture of one of these hornets, uh, a fly, and then they're on golden run. I'm like, oh man, those are three like really misunderstood. Yeah, characters in the native plant world because golden rods, everyone thinks they're allergic. Well, you probably aren't. It's yeah. it's probably ragweed, and then uh, then. Hornets or, or yeah. people don't think of them as pollinators. People don't think of fly pollinators. And I wanted to put up a nice little write-up about that, but time got away from me. Yeah, you still have time. <laughs> you still have time. But what was interesting, Fran, and I I don't have a Grow Read a book today, but I did okay. read a really cool book. It just doesn't relate to native plants enough to, yeah. to talk about it in depth. 
but I can talk about it a little bit here. And you're talking about how these plants serve another function. And um, one of the really unique takeaways I had from this book, which is uh, called Sap- Sapiens, which was originally published in Hebrew and then it was translated to to uh, English a handful of years ago. But um, it's like a, a – it calls itself a brief, brief history of mankind. And uh, why it's called Sapiens is because there are more humans than just just yeah. the Homo sapiens. Yeah. There's uh, Homo erectus and all the Neanderthals. You had all these other humans, but sapiens were their own just single brand or band, and they're the only ones left. But what it really boils down to early on in the book is how we have a biological reality and then like an imagined reality. And your bio- biological reality is, okay, you need food or you're going to die. You need water you're going to die. You need some kind of shelter, some kind of clothing, yeah. or you're probably going to die yeah. <laughs> or, or have great pain on you because you didn't have those things. It's going to threaten your, your uh, lifespan and, and how well, basically your life. Then you have your imagined reality, which is things like money and corporations and um, banks and uh, cars. And they brought a – it was a European brand, a car. But you think about, like, Pineland's Nursery is not a real thing. It's a corporation yeah. that was created by my parents because they believed in it. And they got all these other people to believe in it as employees. And then they got all these other people to believe in it as customers. <laughs> but it's not a real – like, it's not a tangible thing that you can yeah. actually go and, oh, this is Pineland's Nursery and you can go and touch it. It's a yeah. made-up thing that yeah, we all just believe just, in. We believe in and we do. And and there's a believed importance in it. But if it was gone, does that mean we're going to die? No. no. And, like, if, if we didn't have any money, does that mean we're going to die – Biologically, no, it does because it means it's harder to get food. Yeah. But it's all because we believe in money. And I started thinking about that whole concept in my head and, and wrapped it back to native plants, saying, yeah, we have this imagined reality with our gardening where we think that, oh, this is pretty. But biologically, it does nothing for us. It's all imaginary. It's all made up that this is important yeah. to our lives where – Eupatorium maculatum, Eupatorium purpureum, all these native plants have a biological purpose. They are yeah. biologically real and serving a purpose in the world, whether it's not just for us, it's for, for all kinds of things. But no, that, that point just stuck with me. I'm still like, I read this book a week and a half ago. And I'm still talking <laughs> about it to my wife every it, night. It's, it's funny it's, you say that though, because part of what sparked me, besides seeing them serving that purpose, thinking how, you know, and realizing the beauty in that, this week, I just happened to come across an article that peaked I know I wasn't even looking for an article, mm-hmm. but I was I was looking through the internet and something popped up that said why it's important to not plant only native plants. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's you, you you sparked my interest. I'm gonna read it. Well, it was a blog entry and it was someone that was into permaculture and it's like, all right, if you plant only native plants, take all the agricultural crops that aren't native to here. Mm-hmm. out of here and let's see how you do all right like i i understand the point they're yeah. taking but then the person went into I, the rest of it i felt was a very ignorant yeah. <laughs> opinion piece and it was someone in montana saying oh they want to ban Eliagnus uh russian olive mm-hmm. and look how beautiful these things are but they're not hurting anything yeah. And I was like, you're missing the whole – and they went yeah. into all these things about permaculture. I'm like, but you're missing the, the most important aspect. You're missing the food web. At, they're not serving a purpose to your local mm-hmm. – like there's not very many native birds that eat those berries. Mm-hmm. So you're creating less diversity. 
and then they're choking out other native plants yeah. that you're you're eliminating more food source. So you're looking at this Eupatorium maculatum actually serving its purpose in nature, mm-hmm. and you're complaining about something that looks pretty but is serving no purpose in this nature here. Yeah. I'm sure it has a purpose where it's native to but has no purpose here. And it yeah. was just like it's just perceived in what you think is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you're being ignorant to the overall picture of it. Yeah, and that's uh, uh, an interesting. I'd love to read that article because yeah. it's such a closed-minded view on food that, and I'm still stuck and, in this paradigm where I, I, ninety percent of the food I get, probably well, ninety-nine percent of the food I get comes from the grocery store. Yeah, there's very, very little that I'm going out and getting. But we had a, an ecosystem that could provide for hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of human beings in this country for thousands of years yeah <laughs> and it was all food our, our entire food system is is foreign yeah. there's nothing that we can go and get at the grocery store that um i don't want to say originated here but is from from yeah. from here it was yeah. all brought over yeah. from uh europeans basically yeah. um and whether they got it from uh asia or even south america north yeah. america and brought it back and then cultivated into what they wanted um that's all and that's what we talked about with sam thayer yeah, that was an awesome conversation. <laughs> it really was, and you know, I just thought it was funny that you have a person talking about food for humans, yeah. but ignoring the fact that all these other species we share the earth with need to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was just like, wow, how do you you get it and not get it? That yeah. I'll I'll have to see if I can find it for you because I was so angry. I, I just closed like, it. I started I started typing a response and then I just closed yeah. it up. The other like really. Uh, point from this book i don't want to get too far into it because then it will become but but, um was how humans cheated the the food chain in a way and that was like through the discovery of fire and cooking and then then tools was basically what it is and they went from something that was somewhere in the middle of the food chain to the top in way too fast of a time and so uh homo sapiens didn't or never lost that fear of the wild, I guess, yeah. is what I'll say. They still, like, even today, we still feel like there's yeah. something hunting us. We, we never lost it, and that's what makes us have anxiety and panic attacks and all this stuff. That's like, it just weighs on you, and you're constantly trying to grow, 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 get bigger, get more money, get more of everything, because you didn't know, like, when you were uh, with the cave people, they didn't know if they were going to, like, okay, if I don't collect all these berries and eat them right now, I don't know how long they're going to last on my yeah. shelf in my cave. I don't know if birds are going to come and pick the pick the bush clean. I need to just eat everything on this bush right now, yeah. as much as I can and possibly eat. Or there's there is no come back tomorrow on this, and that whole kind of um, I don't want to call it gluttony. Just never because we progressed so fast up the food chain, we never lost that that spirit. Yeah, yeah. There's a, it was a amazingly fascinating book. There were some things I didn't disagree with. Those were some points I thought were really fascinating yeah. to bring up. But, uh, yeah, if you're interested in that book, it's called Sapiens by, uh, I forget the guy's name, but um, I got it on Libby. It was recommended by an Instagram post called Library Mindset. Oh, And it right. just kind of lists books that you should read. It's like, here's some books you should read by the time you're 30 or 40 or if you're someone who's interested in business or you're interested in this, and it just kind of gives you some some books that you should look at. I cool did. Book. I did start an audio book that w- I could do a grow read a book, but instead I've been listening to the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which I've heard is a good podcast. I've never you, listened to it. You know what? Actually, it's, it's 
surprisingly, the last episode I listened to, it's not what you think because the first 15, 20 minutes was all about protein shakes and, and juicing, you know, <laughs> so it was – and yoga. So, all right. We should – so much for, for keeping it yeah, short. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got off topic right away. But we have this or that up next. All right. And all we right. had two really good articles. Yeah, and, they, uh, they but, were about uh, flies as pollinators. Mm-hmm. And um, then mine was uh, about the, the Bell Bowl Prairie in uh, Illinois and how this airport – I can't remember the air, airport now – was okay. going to uh, bulldoze it yeah. and get rid of it so they could remember. expand the airport. Well, a quick update on that first. Yeah. They pushed off – at first we were saying November 1st was when they were yeah. going to do it. They pushed it to March 1st now. They listened. There was enough uproar about this that they pushed it to March 1st. The plan is still to bulldoze it. Unless something can happen with, um, with some of the local naturalists, and they can come and, and get enough evidence, get enough support to say, "Hey, we need to work together on this." Yeah. So um, before I forget, so this is our topic where we lead into it's our, it's our current events mm-hmm. where, that we turn into yeah. a competition. So, uh, and you mentioned this is this or that. So two great articles, both mm-hmm. both fantastic articles, um, and. You know, of course, like we said, it's always competition, and we put it up for vote on the Facebook group, and the winner is – it's a tie. Again, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think – you know, I, I think we both feel that sometimes our listeners kind of like going for that, I that agree, tie. Yeah. So uh, it was 7-7, seven to seven, not not a tremendous turnout, but it, it did – we do have mm-hmm. a tie. So I know last tiebreaker we brought – one of our coworkers in Kelsey, mm-hmm. and we, exp- we, you know, because we had never done it before, we we kind of said what each of our articles was, and then she picked. Yeah, I have another coworker out in the wings, ready to come in, mm-hmm. but we'll just say what the articles are, not whose articles they are. All right, and let her. But so yeah. there's no bias. Yeah. So well, who's going to say what the articles are? It doesn't matter because <laughs> that be, kind of sounds like bias to me, friend. Uh, I well, don't know. You can present both, or. Or we can both. Talk. I say, yeah, we talk about them together. We'll talk about it together. But I'll I'll lead off with yours, and then you right. can lead off mine. Okay, and that way it'll. Throw we'll talk. We don't yeah. know who's who's, who's. Okay. All right. So you can you can uh, you can entertain for a second. I can try. Gonna, yeah, I'm gonna a little. Just, <laughs> I'm just gonna yell out the door together. Hold on one sec. So um, yeah, basically, I'm I'm feeling good now. Uh, I'm carrying on. <laughs> this, but uh, yeah, no, it was a, a good day yesterday. Um, got to actually go to an NJNLA meeting yesterday, which was good, and uh, talked about some of the native plant stuff that's happening on the state level, uh, legislature wise. So, but we got Teresa in here now. That was some pretty poor filling in. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I, I just uh, blanked. All right. So joining us is our coworker Teresa. Hello. <laughs> so um, we need your help. Uh, every week, Tom and I do. Uh, we each present a current event that is like botany based or ecology, native plant based, and okay. we we put it up for a vote, and it's a tie. Oh, mm-hmm. so we need you to pick who's going to win, and we're going to tell you about the two articles, but we're not going to tell you whose article is who. Okay, sounds yeah. good. So, um, so one article, yeah, uh, was titled "Flies Like Yellow." Yeah, flies like yellow, bees like blue. How flower colors cater to the taste of pollinating insects, and it basically went on to say how 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 important flies are as pollinators. Like we always think mm-hmm. of bees and butterflies, right? And it, it kind of goes into the science about how flies like certain colors, bees like certain colors, so to attract like 
like a pawpaw may have uh, a flower that smells like rotten meat, so it attracts flies because only po- mm-hmm. flies pollinate it. So we right. think of them as a nuisance, but it's they're very important. They're, they're one of the most important pollinators, I think, right behind bees or something like that. And then the other article was about a remnant prairie in Illinois at an airport, like a remnant prairie, like going back, like undisturbed prairie, which is so rare at this point in Illinois that an airport was going to the airport they were wanted to expand, expand and they were going to bulldoze it. So they were going to allow them to. And to then, relocate, like they found some rare plants, and then they found like the rusty patch bee, which is rusty really, patch bumblebee, bumblebee, which is really rare. So this remnant prairie, which there aren't too many that still exist, they were going to, they were going to destroy it to expand the airport. to expand the airport, and then it brought all this other attention to it, and it ended up. It's, they put a pause on yeah. until November first, and then okay. there was another pause put on, I guess, just before November first, now till March first. So. It's still a prairie as of now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it was just how important these prairies are because they we've destroyed so many of them um, and what their values are. And then just learning more about flies as pollinators and how plants evolve to to kind of attract. And like it even went into like shapes of flowers where only flies can do it or only bees can do it and how. Right. Yeah. So, so which, you, yeah, which one of those sounds more interesting to you? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I actually want to hear more about the flies. So I, I, I want to hear about, you know, the things that more people, I think, uh, you know. So, so she wants to hear more about Fran's article. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> See, you wouldn't have voted for that. Had no, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't have. <laughs> so, no, it was both great articles, oh, yeah. but the fly one – it, it, I think me, it reaches more people. Mm-hmm. And it was something that you don't think of. I think it was a little more out of the box and you don't realize how important fly. You think of, oh, I have a fly in my – or, oh, all these flies. I need to get rid Annoyance, of them. Annoyance. Right? Yeah. Don't think about the number of flies there are and then how important they are at the same time. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm sure there's tons of non-native flies mm-hmm. that are just a new – Some of your fruit flies. Yeah, like things like that. They're not really – Exactly. So. You're looking at me every time I say nuisance. Like you're like, oh, I can, <laughs> I can relate. I can relate to that nuisance. Yes, I can. All right, awesome. So we have a winner. Cool. Okay. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Teresa. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Anytime. Thank you for joining us. Now okay. that's two losses in a row for me, and I'm keeping with my theme again. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you. No problem. All right. So I pull out, squeak out the wind on this one. So, uh, but it's been, you know, one of these days I'm going to go back through. I'm going to total up to see where we're at because I have a I feeling. Think it's pretty close. I, I have a feeling like we we both go on runs, but in the end, I think we're probably we're probably even. Mm-hmm. So, which is good. That means. So, but the real that, question yeah. is, do you want to go first or second? Um, you know, what? I'm going to go first. Okay. So, you know, the funny thing is, I found two articles I really like that came out a day apart. Both on fizz.org. I, I had two. I really yeah, liked. and I, I, was, I wondered when one of them was from fizz.org. I wonder if it's the same one I had. You know, I didn't use. Uh, which one was it? Because I'm trying to remember what the one is that I didn't use. I'm trying to remember too. I'm gonna have to pull up my phone and see. You know, I hope I didn't delete it. I, was um, it something? Uh, I'm trying. It was something on the line that we've been dealing with, and I can't remember what it was. But um, the one that I did choose. Is called Montana Lake Study reveals how invasive species affect native food webs. So even though – and that's by the University of Montana, and it's on fizz.org. And even though it, it's not plant-related, 
it is related in a way that it helps you mm-hmm. relate it to yeah. native oh, yeah. plants. So, uh, again, I, I, I've highlighted a, a bunch of paragraphs that I'm going to read just to kind of give like a good, good overview of of what the article is. It's not the whole article, so if if you're interested in this, uh, the links are on our. The show links are on our uh, website, uh, nativeplantshealthyplanet.com, under the show, and you can you can read both of the articles. Um, so invasive species cause biodiversity loss and about $120 billion in annual damages in the U.S. alone. Despite plentiful evidence that invasive species can change food webs, how invaders disrupt food webs and native species over time has remained unclear. Now, thanks to a new collaboration study, there is a greater insight to how invasive species progressively affect native food webs. The research was conducted by the University of Montana's Flathead Lake Biological Station, the U.S. Geological Survey, and Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. This study provides new details about how invasive lake trout affect uh, entire lake food webs, said U.S. Fish and Wildlife fish biologist Charles Wainwright, who recently completed his graduate student work at UM's Biological Station. The findings will be important for for conserving native species and ecosystems in Montana and elsewhere. The study recently published in the prestigious journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences used long-term fisheries monitoring records to determine the timing and invasion invasion by non-native fish predator lake trout in 10 northwestern Montana lakes. It also analyzed food webs from those lakes to determine how they changed and impacted native uh, communities as the invasions progressed. Uh, The research team showed that lake trout disrupted food webs by forcing native fishes to feed on suboptimal food sources in different habitats, eventually causing the loss of the native predator, bull trout, a threatened species protected under the U.S. Endangered Species Act. Native bull trout populations have drastically declined in many lakes across western Montana due to competitive interactions with invasive lake trout. Um Let me see. For the first time, we show what happened not only to bull trout but entire food webs supporting them as lake trout invade and upset lake ecosystems over time. The study also showed the food food web effects of the lake trout invasions were especially pronounced as lake trout abundance increased rapidly 25 to 50 years uh, after colonization. After 50 years, lake trout were the dominant apex predator in these food webs. The study shows that given enough time, invasive lake trout can disrupt and deplace displace a native uh, fish species like bull trout and create divergent biological communities that are vastly different than uninvaded ecosystems. The study's results stress the importance of protecting entire landscapes from biological invasions, the use of innovative biosurveillance surveillance monitoring techniques like environmental DNA are also critical critical to increasing the likelihood of detecting invaders before they become established. For ecosystems that have already been invaded, the study's findings can inform proactive control efforts during the early stages of invasion to avoid food food web disruptions that may be difficult to reverse. I need new glasses. <laughs> I, I realize I'm having so much trouble reading. I sound like I'm drunk because I can't see I the th- words. I thought it was okay. All right. Then again, I wouldn't trust my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so I think – you know, we know in a lot of cases invasive species, what they're doing, but there's – again, I, I haven't gone to the science aspect in a, in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel it's nice to have the science behind it to see what's happening, and over time, 
what a lot of people think isn't a big deal is a big deal because it's changing the entire food web and ecosystem. Uh, mm-hmm. It's turning it around. So as it takes over, uh, it's it's lessening the biodiversity, um, and it, it's just changing the whole the whole fishing scene. And that's mm-hmm. the same for you know we just talked about it with Russian olive. Um, yeah. It, oh, yeah, it's the same with landscape. So they have now that we're monitoring it over time, they have the science to prove what it's doing, mm-hmm. and we know it. Now, the question is, how do you change that? That's exactly. the whole. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's nice to have the science, and I think we already known this. Mm-hmm. And that article I was telling you about earlier, that that gentleman's whole argument was the amount of money and time it takes to eradicate these things. Mm-hmm. Are you are you fighting a losing battle? You know, what? and that's actually a good point. Yeah, I actually agree with that that aspect. I I do, but if you know this now. Now you can take a proactive stance of not making it worse. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And it, w- when we had Mike Van Cleff on, it was, okay, well, now we know that these things do happen. It's finding the next thing and making sure that doesn't yes. disrupt this too. So, yes. But, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how many fish. I, I actually heard a little bit about this story on another podcast I listened to. And um, and it's amazing how uh, how many fish – are that are like big time game fish yeah. upset or um are invasive species and that's like rainbow trout which is like the premier trout yeah. to a lot of people not a native species i don't think anywhere in the country at least the most of the country but you think a lot of people think oh i'm going to go to montana and do some fly fishing i hope i catch a rainbow trout yeah. well if you want to catch a native fish you want to catch cutthroat trout and those are the real prize and they're not going to get very big because they're competing with all these yeah. rainbow trout now um same thing i think i heard largemouth bass are actually uh, not a native species. Well, native to the United States are not a native species in many of the lakes that they're found, yeah, and, and waterways they're found, and um, and but because they're such a popular game fish, uh, no one, not, I shouldn't say no one, not many people eat bass. Yeah. Uh, they just like to catch and release yeah. and fish for them that way, and um, but because and because they're so popular that way, they have a whole fishing tournament, <laughs> tour, yeah. like a national fishing tournament for them. Uh, that people just bring them around and do be bucket biologists and introduce new species that way. And I know that's happened with lake trout before, and it's threatening a lot of our native species too. There's there's yeah. issues with uh, some of our native sturgeons in uh, the upper Midwest, and a lot of it when you look at our native fish. Um, what's it, the the buffalo is another fish in the Midwest that's uh, becoming more and more rare because of invasive carp. And people are yeah. bow fishing for carp. The buffalo kind of look like a carp. Well, a lot of them yeah. get taken too, and uh, and then disposed of. They aren't even eaten in a lot of cases because the people don't like them. You know, the thing is, it's once these things are here, it's hard to get rid of them. But you're changing what's unique about here, yeah. and and you're you're making it something that already exists somewhere else, and you're losing all that biodiversity. You're basically yeah. saying, all right, we're going to take if these belong here, we're going to spread them all out, and we're going to get rid of all these other things. And mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't. You're, you're losing function over time, and it's yeah. just nice that they can monitor that and and know that for sure. It's not just – you're not just speculating. You you know. I mean we kind of all felt we knew, but here's hard fact, hard science. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's maybe worse than we even imagined. So um, I just thought it was a nice way, something that's applicable that you can look at for any invasive species just to kind of know – how important it is to not plant native species or not help mm-hmm. the spread of na- native species. Yeah, they're here, yeah. 
but they're they're consistently they're consistently still being planted mm-hmm. and and introduced and, and that's of yes. well, going back to <clears throat> fish i know we're plant podcast talking about fish again but uh a lot of these fish got into those places like rainbow trout spread lake trout are spread largemouth bass spread by our federal government agencies now they're saying oh we made a mistake yes. and a lot of our native or invasive plants were spread, oh, spread that yeah, way too. Yeah, you totally. think of kudzu down south? Oh, that was going to cure erosion. Great. <laughs> <laughs> nope. 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 Not at all. So that's so, that's my article. I tried to take it in a different direction this week. So no, that was interesting and and applicable. Even though it wasn't directly about native plants, it's yeah. applicable to a lot of our invasive yeah. species and how they're impacting native yeah. plants, and then our insects, birds, butterflies, all that stuff yeah. as well. It all trickles down. So and our what, fish. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got this week? So I went back to the well, and uh, it's also about unwanted species, um, not necessarily invasive species, but unwanted species. And uh, to do that, we're going back to the airport. Wow. And, the uh, same and airport or different? A different airport. Ooh, this is the right. Dayton Airport, and they are doing something really, really cool. And uh, the title of this article is Planting Prairies at Airports Could Make Flying Safer. Oh, We talked about not- in the last episode how hey. you'd want to keep birds away. Well, yeah. prairies – Keep it's it's certain types of birds and prairies okay. will keep the certain type of birds away. Oh, so, okay. All right. I'll, I'll read a little bit and then uh, and this article was by uh, Cara Giamo Giamo I can't say it. Giamo Giamo G I A I M O. All right. And I have an Italian background. How how can I pronounce that? But um, and uh, basically what they're talking about is by turning. Hundreds of acres back to Prairie, Dayton International Airport is reducing its environmental impact while cutting back on maintenance costs. So those landing at Dayton International Airport next year will descend from uh, the spacious skies into the fruited plains. Thanks to aviation director Terrence Slaybaugh's groundbreaking prairie grass program, they'll be greeted by songbirds, wildflowers, and shoulder-high grass instead of the typical turf. Dayton International isn't doing it for the views. In an effort to make the airport airport greener, less expensive to maintain, and safer, safer from bird strikes, the airport is turning nearly 300 acres of airport land into native prairie grasses. In a three-year trial, uh, if a three-year trial proves environmentally and economically effective, 800 more acres could be to follow. According to Charity Kruger, Alwood Audubon's executive director, prairies once covered 3% of Ohio. Uh, that number is shrinking fast. The disappearance of the state's prairies is detrimental to uh, the the environmental health. Um, the grasslands are great at detoxifying soil. We know that grasslands are great for so many reasons. So I'll skip a little bit. Uh, the big news swath of, or the big new swath of prairie will provide homes for meadowlarks, bobolinks, and other small songbirds that require at least a hundred acres in order to be, to nest successfully. It will also, or it may also keep away other birds that threaten aircraft safety. Collisions between birds and planes known as bird strikes cause millions of dollars of aircraft damage every year, along with hundreds of thousands of bird fatalities. The most dangerous birds are the large waterfowl that travel in clumps. Um, everyone thinks of uh, back in 2009, you had uh, you had Sully landed the plane yeah. on yeah. the Hudson River. It was because they hit, they lost both his engines because they ran into a flock of geese. So that's was the interesting part. Is yeah, you think prairies? Oh, it's going to attract so many birds. It's these big birds that are causing the issues, uh, especially when they're traveling in. There's a hundred geese or, or fifty geese in yeah. a flock, or sometimes you have snow geese. There's there's thousands of geese in a flock. A plane's not going to miss that. No. You have and a little starling, or, or a starling's not a good example. You have a little chickadee. Yeah. Well, yeah, a bird. There's uh, that bird is small enough. It probably wouldn't do much damage. Sad for the bird that it that it got hit by a plane, but it's not 
threatening the lives of everyone in the air airplane because of that. No, and it, you know it makes sense because you think you know one of the first things I learned about ducks and geese were they don't like tall grasses mm-hmm. because they want to see where their predators are yeah. coming from. They like. You, you tend to see them around water where it's mowed all the way to the edge because they feel safe. It's open area. So if you have a prairie with taller grasses, that's not where they want to be. And it's – these things are like – are big when they're flying in. Yeah. So it's not comfortable for them to land in a whole bunch of tall grass. They could <laughs> land on short grass and then walk into the tall grass. But even that's tough because it's hard to get through all those, especially something with high stem count. Like you had a, a stand of big blue stem, little blue stem, Indian grass. It's going to be hard for geese to cut through. Yeah, yeah, little totally. birds that are kind of flooding around the top or even nesting down in the grass a little yeah. bit. Well, they can get in those places. Geese and, and ducks, it's a lot harder for them to do that. Yeah. But uh, continuing on with the with the uh, the article, uh, the FAA, which is the Federal Aviation Administration, requires that all commercial airports have wildlife strife mitigation plans. Which I learned that when I was in college because a bunch of my friends actually worked for a company that did this. Oh, really? And they would uh, they were traveling all around the East Coast going to primarily smaller local airports mm-hmm. that had a goose problem. And their job was to scare away all the geese. <laughs> <laughs> or they had a beaver problem and it was flooding one of the runways. Mm-hmm. You need to get rid of this beaver yeah. and get rid of the dam. And that he was the one guy in particular. He was flying all over the place just going from airport to airport. And then he'd come back and we'd hang out for a little bit. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, to Cleveland tomorrow. Or I'm going to, like, Lexington, Kentucky. Wow. And he's just all over the place. And uh, he's even on the news one time because one of the towns in the Finger Lakes had a big crow problem. And um, and he was, like, shooting off, like, noisemakers. Basically just a, to a, scare him away. A, yeah. a flare gun type thing. But yeah. it just makes a big bang, bang in the air. And it would scare all the birds away. And um, so, uh, yeah. But airports... Because bird strikes are a big issue, they need to have these plans in place where they're going to get rid of a lot of the, the larger birds, and that includes pyrotechnics, uh, pyrotechnics catch and release, um, even lethal remover, removal of the, the threats to those airports. Um, but this is a different strategy, a where you're putting in a prairie, and that's because it's not the habitat for those type of birds, it's keeping them away. Yeah. Now, I don't know what other things it might bring in that could be threats, but that's what they're doing the study for. It's a three-year study, and if it works, they're going to expand more. Um, and it doesn't just help songbirds uh, or the planes or the airport. It's also good for uh, the, the airport as well because it's going to cut the way down on their the maintenance, maintenance costs. Yeah. They don't have to mow. Maybe they're mowing once or twice a year instead of weekly because you had to keep that grass short or, or it was going to become an issue before. So, um, yeah, it can be prairie for forever, really, if you maintain it as prairie. Yeah. If you're mowing it that mm-hmm. once time a year or you're using fire to to keep it a prairie, you can keep it a prairie for a long, long time. That's so. a great study. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, out-of-the-box yeah. um, uses of land that's typically, you know, it's open land that's just being managed improperly mm-hmm. to, to be managed. Now, I, I know they want a prairie. I, I'm sure that's harder in certain Parts of the country mm-hmm. because it's successional forests. Like exactly. you do have to maintain it to make sure you're, you're mm-hmm. not getting yeah. trees. But if like you're that. if you're mowing once, once or a, twice year, a year, you're keeping. You, yeah. you use uh, prescribed burning. You'll keep the the successional forest away. It's more, I guess, where it would be an issue is where you don't have, uh, you don't typically have prairie type conditions or meadow yeah. type conditions. Yeah, like I'm thinking of JFK Airport in New York City. 
probably not a good place to put a brick, but yeah. they are doing some stuff nearby with salt marsh and that all yeah. affect yeah. Um, bird travel. So awesome. Awesome yeah, article. If this is something that works and over three years they say, Hey, this is something we want to continue. And they expand to the next 800 acres. I'm sure other airports are going to model this, especially yeah. if they can show the financial incentive to do yeah. this. And um, it's probably more upfront, less over time. Yeah. The other thing the article really touched on is think about all the military bases that have, have some kind of air uh, airport there. And uh, you get, and I guess the Department of Defense is actually already exploring these options a little bit because they have to worry about bird strikes too. And it's a way that they can, instead of having to maintain it, um, yeah. probably a lot more expensive on a military base than at your normal airport. Instead of someone mowing, you probably just need to have someone monitor. Yep, you know, exactly. And then just make sure it's not getting out of control. And so that's another uh, big, big impact that this could have as well. Awesome. Two great articles. So oh, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll we'll make sure we get these posted within the next uh, 24 hours if you're listening on Friday when we publish this. Um, and if you're a member of the Facebook group and only members of the Facebook group uh, can vote, so make sure you go over there and vote. And there has to be a winner because – And of course, the choice is yours. So um, listener shout-outs. Still no – I guess we should do. You want to do listener shout-outs? Oh, yeah. No? We, okay. I think we have to, right? Yeah, we have to. Uh, I just meant next. So no no five star reviews on Apple, but you did get a review. We, we got that, a, a a hand or not handwritten a written review. Yes, uh, because they listen on Spotify and Spotify doesn't allow reviews, which I didn't no. know. I didn't know <laughs> I that either. Did, but I don't really. I listen on Apple Podcasts primarily. There's a handful of things I'll too. I'll pull up on Spotify. Usually, if I'm driving, I'll just click on it real quick. But um. We got an, a nice uh, message from Pamela who said she really likes the podcast, but she listens on Spotify, so she actually left the, the comment on YouTube. That's but awesome. It's nice to hear. That was nice to hear. So um, I have – you know, I, I went in a different direction. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm going with uh, Santino Loricella. Sella? Sella. Sella. So, I don't know. From Bowman's <laughs> Hill uh, Wallflower Preserve. You know, and and Santino's been a former former yeah. guest, but he's also very interactive in our Facebook group and oh, yeah. posts a lot of good articles. Um, and he's very supportive. He has a lot of great comments on other people's articles, and I just love how active of a member he is in the Facebook mm-hmm. group. Um, he's been a guest, but he contacted us before he was a guest. He contacted us just to say, "Hey, I'm a listener." Yeah. And I enjoy listening, and he was a member of the group before he was on the podcast, and he continues to be a, a great active member. And I just wanted to say thank you. We appreciate that. Oh, yeah. And uh, I know our talk is tonight, but by the time you're listening to this, it will it be over. <laughs> yeah, it was yesterday at the Bowman's Hill Wallflower Preserve. But we appreciate the opportunity that Santino is giving us to, to speak there oh, as yeah. well. So um, I have no complaints this week. That's good, but you said we do have some phone calls, right? Yes, we do. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? So, you know, surprisingly, Saul has been absent for two months. I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah it's been quite a while. Yeah, but um, last last buzz, we did get a, a call from the bird lady. Mm-hmm. And um, it was Dolores, Dolores, yeah. Put so, a little more respect on her. Name yeah, we got a phone call from Dolores. Uh, last buzz, 
And and we got another phone call for you uh, this week, so I'm I'm gonna play, and it's not Dolores. Okay, all right. Hello, Tom. This is Brenda Fricker. You may remember my portrayal of the Pigeon Lady of Central Park in the second installment of the Home Alone series. I was saddened to hear of your irrational fear of bird ladies on a recent episode of your podcast. It's unfortunate that ornithophiles are so terribly misunderstood in our society. As a founding member of All Pal, actors who portray avian lovers... I feel I have a civic responsibility to ensure that people like you understand that we are not to be feared. All pals are becoming rarer every day. Many actors simply shy away from taking on roles like this because of the stigma associated with the portrayal of fans of the birds. Don't be a part of the problem, Tom. You're better than this. As it turns out, I do actually have a question for you. A bit of trivia, really, on the subject of pigeons. Do you know why the passenger pigeon became extinct? That's all I have for now. Next time you're in Dublin, look me up and we'll we'll go have a pint down the pub. If you're lucky, maybe I'll introduce you to some of my feathered friends. Ta now. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) So, (laughs) do do you actually have an issue with the pigeon lady as well? Um... (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't say I have an issue with it, but uh, it it might come as a surprise. I steered clear of that movie because I heard about the Pigeon Lady. <laughs> so I've actually so, never seen Home wow. Alone in New York. Now that I'm a little older, maybe I can watch I, I think you should go back and revisit that one. Yeah. So now look at you. You you have a celebrity following of of actress and actor, actors and actresses that play avian lovers. Yeah. Don't be part of the problem. Though. I'm going to have to look up this organization <laughs> and maybe make a donation. <laughs> <laughs> But, so, so I I wasn't prepared for a question, but Frank, you said you listened to this before, so you I did. You so, wrote some notes and, here, and we've had this conversation before. You know, one of the things that that um, actually sparked my interest in passenger pigeon decline was uh, the nursery has a customer appreciation dinner mm-hmm. every year, and it's kind of changed forms over the year. But uh, Don Knazik, Tom's father, brought in. He had seen this gentleman. It, it's an, an actor who portrays famous people and gives talks, and he brought someone in to play uh, John Audubon, and he talked about passenger pigeons. And then afterwards, we talked about the decline of passenger p- mm-hmm. pigeons, um, and that kind of was like, you know, because he was talking about as John Audubon going through the woods and there being millions, like the the sound of the passenger pigeon taking off was deafening. And now they they no longer exist. I think the last one was 1914 or 1917 mm-hmm. that that was spotted. So it, it's actually a multitude yeah. of things that caused the decline. It was a loss of habitat because we we chopped down all the forests uh, or eliminated a lot of the forests that they were living in. Plus, they were vastly hunted and killed for food. Mm-hmm. Which I'm curious, just what passenger pigeon tastes like. <laughs> you I would know, assume pretty good. Yeah, I mean, if it was being hunted in in like large numbers uh, for food, yeah. and then I know, well, I know conventional city pigeons are are also supposedly delicious. Are they really? They're, that's what squab is. Oh, that's that's, that's true. So then, and then I know they were being killed in large numbers because they were considered a threat to agriculture and, and farming crops. So we killed their habitat and then killed them because of of 
being close to uh, agricultural crops, and then we ate mm-hmm. them. So it was a it was a multitude of things. So and, yeah. and it's very sad that we eliminated once the most abundant bird on the East Coast. Yeah. To and this to was extinction. just a, a topic in a book I read recently, but I'm drawing a blank on what they said about it too. But uh, but I there's a lot of parallels if I remember to the the near extinction of the American bison. And um, because we we were we were killing bison because yeah. of their importance to uh, in part yeah, yeah, yeah because of their importance to the Americans that's um, at least very it's rumored yeah. it was also uh, for the hides they'd also kill and part of it was you had the end of the Civil War and you had a bunch of people who just got out of a war knew how to shoot knew how to fight and didn't know what they didn't have anywhere to go yeah and um, there was guarantees of money out west if you. We're, we're a hide hunter. And um, and even in that case, there was, like, you still had market hunters waiting on the Canadian border saying, oh, the, the great herd's going to come down from the north. And, and there was lit- almost none left. And it was actually yeah. Teddy Roosevelt who kind of saved that population by, I think in part by bringing one of them to the Brooklyn Zoo. Oh. And that was uh, that's the model for the buffalo nickel. And the other little fact I like about bison is that they're they're – not botanical name. <laughs> their their Latin name is bison, bison, bison. So. <laughs> you know, maybe that was my other article on fizz.org. It was about reintroduction of buffalo mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a lot of that credit goes to President Teddy Roosevelt because he's – and he was taking trips to kill a lot of these animals and then said, ooh, yeah, I like doing this, but if other people want to keep doing this, we need to make sure that there's – more than that's that created a lot of our public lands. Yeah. That created a lot of our our um, uh, environmental awakening and and all that. But even with the passenger pigeon, if I remember correctly, a lot of it was people just didn't know no. that this is, was they that they were causing such an impact. They mm-hmm. and they were in agricultural settings. It's, we need to get rid of all of them because they're they're causing yeah. issues. Yeah, and um, but they didn't realize that it was an issue that they were causing. Totally. And that's what's going on today. With when we keep talking about the whole. People planting invasive plants, people planting non-native plants in the yard, they just don't know that they're causing issues by doing that. They, the knowledge base isn't there, and it's up to us, Fran and I, and then everyone listening, to try and change this and at least change one or two people's minds so that uh, we can kind of get ahead of this before it's too late. So I, we appreciate actress Brenda Fricker coming out of retirement Brenda to let Fricker. us know. Yeah. She was also the mother to... in The Commitments. I'm trying to think of <laughs> what I've never seen. Never that, seen that one. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's nice that – that the pigeons have advocates. Yeah, no, it no. definitely is. So so I'm going to have to watch that. Afraid. Now that I'm a little older, I can probably watch that movie and not be too scared. Right. I won't expose myself. <laughs> <laughs> talking about things like I don't, uh, that I don't always get the pop culture references. I didn't like Home Alone. Really? I, I'm, I'm definitely in the minority of that. I just didn't like the, um, I didn't find the violence humorous. You know, um, you know, it's funny. I just saw some something on social media about Home Alone where someone's like, "Hey, kid, just call the cops. Why? Why you said just say <laughs> yeah, just just yeah. call the police? You yeah. didn't have to handle this yourself." But I think at the time that came out, I was already like early twenties, mm-hmm. so I was an adult at that point and could, you know, just be like, "Ah, just take it for." Plus, it's a John Hughes movie, and I'm a huge John John Hughes. I don't, I don't know if you John knew that. Hughes is. Oh. All right, so John Hughes. Wrote either wrote or directed or both, um, most of the the eighties uh, Brad Pack so uh, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, Sixteen Candles, 
Um, he also did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, uh, Home Alone 1 and 2. He did – am I striking any that you know or have seen? I've seen two of those. All right. Um, also, Club and then Home Alone uh, 1. Vacation yeah. and Christmas Vacation. Um, uh, I think – yeah, I've seen – I've at least seen parts of them. Yeah. But, you know, he was behind Weird Science, um, you know, a lot of those movies. So, mm-hmm. so they, Other unpopular pins I didn't think for <laughs> vacation or Christmas vacation were very good either. Aww. <laughs> so so right. now it makes more sense. Why yeah. wouldn't you think Home Alone was that, that funny? So uh, we don't really have a topic this week, mm-hmm. um, but I thought we would just do a little bit of follow-up. Uh, speaking of birds and, and the – the bird lady from Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. Dolores, sorry, Dolores, speaking of Dolores, I was telling Agatha about it that night after we recorded and that we were listing plants that were good for birds over the winter. And she was like, oh, American holly. And I was like, no, we we didn't mention that <laughs> one. So I at least wanted to follow up and throw American holly out there as as something that you can plant if you want something taller. We, we focused more on shrubs. We didn't really talk yeah. about trees. Um, that can be used, and also with the Halloween plants, we did have one listener um, throw a native plant that we didn't know because I'm assuming it's not native here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't look, um, but Cursed Crownfoot, which is a fantastic spooky name, um, and it's Ranunculus celeratus, uh, and that was a Nissa bird that, that threw that one out to us. So uh, we appreciate you throwing that out. Uh, I don't think anyone else – any more out there, but I thought that was a is a, a great spooky name. I know Tom's looking. This it up is right a neat now. looking plant. Yeah, I'm is trying it, to find where find it's, out where it's native to. It says the it's native in New England. All right, so. all right, awesome. So, um, we have we it, it's time we thought more for the topic. We would it's the salt contest. So yes. we yeah. we managed to get eight entries, and uh, our goal was to pick. Our favorite, and then we're going to put the other seven on our Facebook group for people to vote. I don't know that you can put seven up. Like, do we have to do seven individual? I guess we have to post all eight, like the one that we picked and who the winner is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess we should say who the winner the 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 one that we're picking. We didn't talk about this, but I'm no. Assuming... I think you're just picking. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm pretty sure you're just picking. Wow, <laughs> we didn't talk about it. All right. There's one that um, where the artistic skill is clearly better than the rest. Yes, which is very good. But it's yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, but that that being said, that wouldn't have been my choice. Really? (laughs) Yeah. See, I to me that represents who Saul is in my mind. Yeah, mine. Not just the artistic uh, thing. It's what I like. Literally, if I were to go to a police sketch artist and say. That's interesting because you, you didn't find pick this. the police sketch of Saul. No, Saul for no. The, the, so, wow. So this is interesting. So you and I yeah. don't – I just well, we assumed can, we agreed. We but. can put – how about we both give ours and then we'll give uh, a Saul three? Yeah. Okay. All right. Because so, mine was – I thought about how Saul – there's one that just stuck out to me and it was how okay. Saul saw himself. Ooh. And it was very abstract and I, I really liked that one a lot and it was – um, it was uh, – one of the ones that one of the kids did. <laughs> okay. All right. So and and you know, unfortunately I was given ages but not names. names. Yeah. So but is that the the one was, that was the seven year old seven year old one. Seven all right. All right. So I am picking uh, an entry from Alyssa Lewis. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the artistic ability is is through the roof, but 
visually, like I said, it's who I – it's not yeah, so much artistic ability. When, it's what I pictured in my head Saul to look like. Yeah. The other thing that was really unique is um is Santino Loricella's picture. Yeah. Looks surprisingly like um, – not like Saul, but another friend of ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. He like almost drew – the police sketch of the, the of, of, of our a friend. friend. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually like, yeah. It, when I saw was, that, it was kind of scary. Yeah, like when I've seen, I know, I know Santino was going with Dustin Hoffman. Okay, you know, but that picture looks like a friend of ours, yes. dead on. Yeah, yeah, and the, like the our friend's hair is a little bit longer. Yeah, um, I always thought he looked a lot like Gene Wilder. Ooh. You know what? Very good comparison. Yeah, I I would say that. Yeah, not, not like not a dead ringer for Gene Wilder, but you could see maybe mm-hmm. they were siblings. Yeah. So I'm picking uh, Alyssa Joy Lewis. You were picking her. I I don't even know if it's male or female, but it's it's seven year old one. The seven year old seven year old Lewis. Um. So we're going to submit those two to Saul. So we will hear from Saul on the next. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The next buzz. Um, and then there's six more entries. Um, you know, Deborah Rosenthal, uh, at Dr. Yeah. Evil. Which her, yeah, she really looked into mm-hmm. Saul's criminal past and yeah. did mugshot. Uh, Rocky Donovan. And Which was then, one we got yesterday. That, that was another really yeah. good one. And then, it looked a lot like Larry David. You know, I feel, uh, I feel like I'm forgetting. Oh, we said Santino. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's two other Lewis kids, uh, the four year old and an eight year old, I believe. I don't remember. I don't know. We should probably know no, no more. <laughs> but they were the ones that the three Lewis kids yeah, we, are the yeah, ones we had who the, did grow the readable. Dr. Evil had the super uh, the, 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 the super Saul. Yeah, super Saul. That was a good one. Um, and uh, Deborah Rosenthal had uh, uh, mugshot Saul. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got some really good ones. We're yeah. glad people submitted some drawings. And uh, All right. Yeah. So, so, wow, I just assumed – you know, it's funny we didn't talk about it. I just assumed we were on the same page, so I'm kind of glad that I paused before. Oh yeah, me too. It. Sorry for assuming. Yeah, because I was like, I, I guess we're talking about this live because we haven't talked. We have, yeah, we have to. We said we were going to do it, so uh, we're going to submit our two favorites, mm-hmm. and then um, and we'll yeah, we'll put them all up on the Facebook for all our fans. You're yeah. going to do the fan vote, yeah. and um, between the other gonna, six, yeah, and we're gonna we'll put we'll put our selections up there too, but you can't vote for those when obviously. you put. When you do a a vote, how many things can you vote on? You I can't think you can do make six. It as a can lot. you do? Can I you do that so. many? Okay, yeah. all right. Well, that would be good. Yeah, and then I think you can put pictures of each one, but I'm not positive. All right, or you we may to have to, to. All right, if not, yeah, we'll we'll figure yeah. it out. So we'll get that up there. But uh, yeah, so we're the next buzz. We'll have a all right. Winner. We have to give everyone one week to vote. Just one week. Yes, because Saul needs a week to pick mm-hmm. the winner between the three. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. put an end date on the poll. So I'll yeah. put a poll to end next Friday, which is the uh crap, 19th. I and th- uh I think so. Yes, the 19th. And then yeah, so yeah, we'll end the 19th and uh then, then you know, Saul. that choice is going to Saul along with ours and mm-hmm. um and we'll do our vote then. Yeah, so Saul will call in and uh I'm curious. I hope Saul's okay. I haven't heard anything from him yeah, at with all. With his his a- medical history, I'm also yeah yeah. (laughs) and clumsiness yeah Yeah. so um before we do pod deck and i'm i'm hoping there's a pod deck in here that we can even do and surprisingly we are over an hour yeah for for keeping it short not really having a topic 
we're over an hour. So uh, Tom and I uh, came up with an idea, and we wanted to announce after the uh, first of the year, um, we're going to launch a second podcast. Um, and it kind of stems that we feel that we've gotten away from talking about native plants. Every other buzz we do, that's hot. Um, but we always kind of envisioned that Native Plants Healthy Planet would be one of many podcasts mm-hmm. presented by Pinelands Nursery. Yeah. So um, we're in the pre-production stage, so uh, we can get a bunch done ahead of time and a lot of the, the, the research done for it. But it's going to be called A Native Plant Every Day mm-hmm. with Tom and Fran. Um, and it will be a very short form, 10 to 15 minutes, and we're going to try not to get away from that. Yeah. Um, but it will be a daily podcast, uh, Monday through Friday, where you can every day we'll just focus on one native plant, mm-hmm. and and we're going to talk a lot, you know, get a little bit more in depth about that plant and its uses, and just what we love about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And it will be things native to the Northeast, and and it's going to be things native to other parts of the country as well. So we'll expand. It, to do one every day, we're going to have to come up with oh, a lot yeah. of. We need plants. to find a lot of plants if we, especially if we want this to last longer than a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, and our plan is to have uh, uh, special guests in the studio with us to for a week, um, a week's worth of episodes, um, where they're they're talking about the plants with us. So um, we're excited about this one. It's it's like I said, it's going to be short form. It's not going to have its own website. It's it's we'll post we'll post it on our social media mm-hmm. occasionally, but it's not going to be, you know, where we're shoving it down your throat every day. Mm-hmm. So uh, we hope you listen and uh, we're excited. And and we may have other guests from the nursery. Uh, mm-hmm. It may not, it may not always be me and, and Tom. It mm-hmm. may be Tom and someone else or me and someone else or, you know, it, it. we can get a little bit more creative with it. And I think we're excited about that and it will bring us back to the focus. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. I guess I should have been looking probably through <laughs> through the pod deck while I was talking about that, but of course I wasn't. All right, let me see what we got here. Um, discuss a trending topic. Um, I well, we kind of did with the the Bell Bowl Prairie a little bit. That's been trending all, all through a lot of the native plant circles. You know, I have a I have a very interesting topic mm-hmm. that we can discuss and uh, to keep it industry related. So I want to talk about just organizations within not just the nursery industry and native plants. I was thinking about it with the Native uh, Native Plant Society of New Jersey and because you had a meeting yesterday for the New Jersey Nursery Landscape mm-hmm. Association, and they're looking for members, and it's becoming increasingly harder and harder. To find members, yeah, um, oh, yeah. and and the people that are mem or not members, people to to take a bigger step in those organizations, mm-hmm. like board members, yeah, um, and these organizations are very important, and it's the people that are board members are board members in multiple organizations, mm-hmm. and just how important it is for people to take a large larger step, I think, in these organizations because it's. I know you were saying like you need board members in certain parts of the oh, states yeah. for the yeah. New Jersey Nursery and Landscape uh, Association. And even you know Hubert Ling at the Native Plant Society is a horticulturalist because I- I'm sure part he wants to be in part there's no one willing to step up mm-hmm. to take that responsibility from exactly. him. Yeah. Um, and it's just 
there's a lack of people willing to get more involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm guilty of that. You know, earlier in my career, I was more involved in a lot more organizations, and I kind of feel like I did that, and then I raised my family. Now I'm I'm at a point where I can be more involved again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if these if, if this is something that you're passionate about, um, even like I know the the uh, Southeastern Grasslands Initiative, like like they need they're growing. Oh, yeah. They need more people to be involved. Um, think about taking an active role. I know it's a little more time out of your your daily routine, but these organizations don't just need your money; they need your involvement to continue to grow and do the work that they do. So just, you know, I thought that would be a good, you know, it's a trending topic because we talk about all these organizations every day and all the great work that they're doing and to be a part of it and to, to give your money. But they really need your help. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah. And your time. Time is really important. And, and I know time is limited. <laughs> but And it seems like everyone is busier than ever just because it's not just uh, your, your local things that you can go to anymore. You can go to meetings uh, all over the the country if you want to yeah. just because a lot of stuff's held online which is a great thing because you can be more in tune on these things you're passionate about but it's also it it sucks up a lot of your time yeah um and it seems like kids schedules are, are more and more busy there's more and more things going on like uh i know just from from the athletics uh point of view if you're a, a middle school high school age kid well, yeah. You're not just playing for your high school team. You're playing for a travel team. You're playing for a, a winter league team. You're playing out of seasons. Yeah. And then you have training stuff and all this all this stuff going on. You're, it's basically these sports have dominated with the guarantee that you're going to get you into a, a, the college yeah. you want to go to. Uh, and they're just dominating time. And, um, and you talk to and the money. actual college coaches, at least my background is in lacrosse. You talk to them. They want to see athletes from multiple sports. They want to see if you're a lacrosse player in the spring – they want to see you played football in the fall and basketball in the the winter or whatever. It's just something else. They want well-rounded individuals. In a lot of cases, not and, someone who's just burn out of lacrosse. And we're we're speaking about this from experience because Tom, oh, yeah. you played college lacrosse. Your brother played college lacrosse. Mm-hmm. My I oldest for a travel team. Yeah. for a long and you time. coach college lacrosse. Yeah, coach um, college lacrosse. My oldest son plays college lacrosse. Now his experience. We had a coach specifically say that at a um, at like a. Not a pro day, but mm. what do you call it? Like a, it was uh, like a, I know online. what you're talking yeah. about. They, they have like little invite right showcases. Shows. Yeah, and yeah. he was saying we want kids to play two sports because we want to know that kid doesn't get burnt out mm-hmm. by the time. Now, my son was playing lacrosse. He was playing year – he was on two winter te- – two indoor teams in the winter. He was – I guess travel stops when you hit high school now, but you're playing tournament, summer tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. Lacrosse, yep. plus going to all the special showcases they have. Mm-hmm. Plus, he wrestled. <laughs> yeah, and he played soccer. You know, that's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. for. And that was just one of my two kids. And of course, my other son was doing all different activities. He was doing marching band and ROTC. That's a that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. So oh, I yeah. understand that everyone's spread thin, mm-hmm. but these organizations can't just do it. With your money, yeah, and I'll I'll bring up the NJNLA just because we had a meeting yesterday, and um, there was someone who brought up an experience where they were asked, "Well, what's the NJNLA do for me?" Yeah. And well, you just really have to look back at the COVID pandemic and nurseries, and yeah, we're a source of agriculture, so we were allowed to stay open, 
But there was a lot of discussion, at least on the state level in New Jersey, saying, well, do people really need to go to garden centers to buy plants? Or, yeah, they need to go to a grocery store. A farm market's a great place for them to get food that's local. They aren't going to a big place. They're going to a smaller place and supporting a local business. So we're going to leave them open. We can't close down our farms because, one, a lot of times they're working on their own in big equipment in open fields, and they're supplying food for the world. Um, But, oh, do you really need to go to a garden center and pick up plants? And you had Lori Jensen from NJNLA. You have some members on the State Board of Ag that vouched for the nursery and said, hey, we need to be open too. This is not just uh, a food thing. It's about mental health, and plants are shown to improve mental health. And nurseries, and I don't know if that was what swayed them. Maybe nurseries and, and greenhouses and all that got to stay open anyway. But if you don't have that voice, you don't know what will happen. And there's yeah. no one vouching for it. And we saw in other states, nurseries and garden centers had to shut down. Yeah. And they had saw some of their work. Well, they couldn't make money. In the meantime, you saw nurseries and garden centers on the East Coast have the best years they they've had, ever had because people were getting more involved with nature. They had a revival, and you know we were considered essential workers, and we were able to go into work every day. Um, and garden centers in our area had some of their best years in 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. independent garden centers, So yeah. you know, which was nice to see because the independent garden centers had been in decline over the last 20 years because of uh, big box stores. But, yeah. but if you they, don't have that voice in, in our case, Trenton, or yeah. in your, your local state capital or municipal area or, or on a federal level, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You need to have that voice, and whether it's for native plants or whatever you're interested in, Take the time and see if you can get more involved, even if it's just for, like, the events committee. You don't have to be a, a board member, but you don't have try to go get crazy. involved with, yeah. like, an events committee. Or say you want to be on a task force for a specific event. They have a, a fall art show, and you want to make sure you're involved with that because it's – you can give up a, a couple nights for a month or two. Well, and what's nice is when you do that, you get input. Exactly. You, you, you get to and have get some to, input. Yeah, you get to yeah. say what – and yeah. choose a direction for what that's going to be. But if you look a lot at these organizations um, – the people that are running these things have been running it for a very long time, mm-hmm. you know, and and they're doing it because they know that there's not someone in the wings to take their place. Yep. Um, so get involved, get 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 a little bit more involved to help out because some of these great organizations that we talk about may not exist without mm-hmm. your help. And if you join it and you don't like it, don't you yeah, can you can down. leave or you can try and change it into what you want to yeah, enjoy exactly so there's there's options for it but you don't get those choices unless you get involved so that was a good good topic friend i like yeah, that thank one. you thank you so so that is it thank you for joining us today we hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz thank you everyone for listening to native plants healthy planet presented by pinelands nursery thank you rj comer for our buzz theme music which is uh and uh, titled nightly suicide make sure you stream or buy rj's music on itunes spotify wherever you consume your music Follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram, uh, two places at Pinelands Nursery or Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, um, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Wow, we've gotten a ton of uh, subscribers on YouTube yeah. Oh yeah, uh, recently. Uh, a lot of great content, not just the, the podcast up there. There's a lot of great uh, Native Plant uh, content up there. We have the question and comment line, and and more than just avian lovers can call that. Uh, It's 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. Call us up, ask a question, leave a comment. When we play it on an upcoming episode of The Buzz, we'll answer it to the best of our knowledge, or we'll uh, phone a friend and and get an expert to uh, actually answer it. 
And don't forget about the Facebook group. It just keeps growing and growing, and it's a lot of great content. And I guess Facebook groups uh, changed. Yeah, even it changed though, a little bit. Yeah, so. it changed a little bit. So technically anyone can join without our approval um, at this point, and people can can comment even if they're not a member. So if you, you don't want to be a member and you just want to follow along and comment every now and then, uh, you can do that. So uh, make sure you, you look for the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group and keep the conversation going over there. Uh, you can now buy T-shirts. We have them on our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com. Tons of T-shirts. Tons of T-shirts. So it's the holiday season, so go head, over, head on over there and uh, and get a T-shirt for a loved one or friend. The turnaround time isn't always quick, so if you're ordering for the holidays, make sure you get your orders in now. Yeah, um, And that's just – if you go to our website, it's just a banner at the top that says Support Native Plants. Click here for T-shirts. And I click that, it'll take you to our Teespring store. And always remember, 100% of the proceeds from that are going to organizations that, that we want to support through yeah. the podcast that are doing great totally. boots-on-the-ground work with native plants. So um, make sure you, uh, when you listen to this podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, not Spotify, uh, I think you can review us on Stitcher. I think you can and, review uh, on Stitcher, yes. And then uh, you can always leave a like on, on YouTube if you listen there. Um, but if you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, make sure you're subscribed. And if you can leave a five-star review, I'll give you a shout-out one. But it also goes a long way into boosting up up in the rankings, and they'll get more people listening. And then you'll have more friends to talk about our podcast. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, And then, as always, you can even ask Alexa to play the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast. With that, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. I'm Fran. No secrets today? Um, yeah, I you were up. I, I uh, you know, <laughs> I don't have – you know, one thing I was I, – I thought of actually that not a lot of people know. And, and I think we've kind of mentioned this on – we, we may have mentioned this on an earlier podcast. Like even though there's none visible, I have tattoos. Mm-hmm. So – and thinking about like our avian lovers that, that keep calling and even my recent uh, love for bird watching, Agatha and I over COVID like starting to enjoy that. I actually have a few swallow tattoos, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't – you know, it's it's funny that I had them. I've had them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, they kind of take on a little bit different meaning for me mm-hmm. now that that i have them so it's yeah, that's nothing a, that's a good one yeah nothing that they're not visible so you would never a lot of people don't know that about me that i have a, a bunch of tattoos it's not like i'm covered but i i have a bunch of tattoos so it's it's just like oh you know that's not something anyone would ever see so i thought i'd share that oh that's cool so, so that's that's it so um you already said I already, goodbye. I already said goodbye. <laughs> I got to <laughs> change this. <laughs> Tom checked out. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I am Fran. Uh, we'll see you next time. We don't have uh, – it will be a meet the guest, but we don't know who yet. We haven't firmed it up yet, but we'll have that – obviously, we'll have that taken care of before the next episode. Uh, but we thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next time. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.